Welcome everybody to the One to Go show. It is Puka once again joined by Bert Lehman and Ryan Eho. And you can find the three of us on Facebook at Bert Lehman, at Ryan Eho, at Racer Puka. And, and of course, we've got the Facebook page. Many of you are joining us from the Facebook page right now. The One to Go show on Facebook. All right, we have an action-packed week. We're going to get right into it. The Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model Series is back in action down in Georgia for the Optima Batteries Golden Isle Nationals, part of the Lucas Oil Reopening Tour. They race Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Tuesday, Jimmy Owens taking home his sixth victory of the year, which is pretty impressive considering how little racing there's been. Wednesday, Kyle the Killer Bronson was victorious. And Thursday, Josh Richards took the checkers. Bert, looking good. We'll start with you tonight. Uh, you know, your thoughts on, on Golden Isle. Uh, first, I just want to say that uh, I made the correct pick uh, when I picked Jimmy Owens to win that first night. Uh, so I got to take uh, some credit for that. Uh, I, I'm not correct too often. And uh, no, it was good racing down there. Uh, it's fun to watch uh, Mason Ziegler race. Uh, he had that one feature. Uh, the second one of the of the week, he had that one pretty much in hand. And then he jumped the cushion, hit the wall. And the next night, uh, Devin Moran did the same thing. and uh, it's, uh, you never know what's going to happen until the final checkered flag falls. Yeah, down there, I tell you what, I, it, it turns out all three nights of racing down at Golden Isles, you did not want to be the guy leading the race until the end. I mean, something crazy happened. I know T-Mac was battling for the lead. I think he had a tire go down. Yep. And then Moran, I mean, he was leading. He looked really good. And all of a sudden, he come out of the corner, and the car come to a stop. And initially, I thought maybe he spit a drive shaft, but it turns out I think he just stepped all over his dick. I think he just dumped <laughs> the cushion and, like, shut the car down, and bam, who was right behind him? Josh Richards hit him a ton, and uh, one and two both out of the race. Richards got a flat, and that's when uh, my pick, right? I picked – I said, watch <laughs> Kyle Bronson down there. Kyle Bronson won that one. And then, then the next night, Moran actually – um, he, you know, he went from having it won the night before to he missed staging. So then he missed staging. He had to start 24th in the field. Now, keep in mind, guys, the track was heavy. It was a little bit greasy. And he charged all the way to fifth from 24th. He was absolutely bolted, but again, didn't want to be in the lead. Ziegler that night had it won. I think there was only a couple laps left. He jumps the cushion and smacks the fence. And that's the one Josh Richards actually won. So, I mean, it was just mass chaos down there. Excellent racing. I tell you what, they did a great job. I mean, they had to fight the weather. I mean, there was a little bit of a challenge there with the weather, getting all these races in. And, you know, I guess they, they kind of went with the mindset of, well, we ain't going to have any fans sitting here complaining about us going too late, right? Because there was none there. It was fanless. It was all on TV. So, if a person didn't want to watch it live, they could watch the, the recap of it the next day. Not a big deal. So, they did what they had to do to get the show in. So hats off to them. And as we speak right now, we're doing the show. Of course, it's Monday night. Um, they're racing at East Bay for the next three nights. So excited to maybe catch the feature after this. Um, a couple things I take out of that is actually another guy that I picked to do well down there was Whitener. He finally had a top five there the last night. Looked pretty good. But uh, Davenport, he, he wasn't very good. He kind of struggled. B-Shep struggled. You know, so there's a couple of guys, you know, Basically, the number one guy in World of Outlaws, the number one guy in Lucas Oil Series, right? Both of them not really looking all that good down there. T-Mac, um, I thought he looked really good, had a, a tough break a couple times there. 
but he looked really good. But overall, some excellent racing down there at Golden Isles, and I'm super excited to see what the week brings down here. Puka, what do you think of it? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Davenport because that was the guy I wanted to talk about. And, you know, and just because, I mean, I'm sure most drivers would love to have Davenport season so far and such, but this is a guy, I mean, he's like Jordan, he's like Brady, he's like Moyer and Lucas. He can dominate. You know, I, I took some notes here. You know, back in 2015, he was the Lucas Oil champ. He won the Dream, he won the World, he won the North-South, he won the USA Nationals, he won the Show Me, he won the Prairie Dirt Classic. This guy can dominate. And he's, He's trying, I think he just got the one win early on, right? It actually might have been golden. No, golden. I think the wind, I think the wind is maybe blowing that big beard he's got going on up over his eyes, and he's maybe not hitting his marks, right? I yeah, think, I, I mean, I don't know. Somebody said that, you know, hey, they're telling me you got to shave that crap off. Like, maybe it's bad luck. you got to get rid of that whole, that whole deal you got going on here. I don't know what it is. You're absolutely right. I mean, Davenport is absolutely a phenomenal race car driver. But one of those things, when you kind of lose your – you lose a little bit of momentum. See, sports, racing, everything's kind of momentum. When you're on a roll, things are going really good. When you're not on a roll, it seems like nothing can go right. And, you know, B-Chef, we're talking talk about a break in momentum. I mean, he started out really good. You know, right away at the beginning of the year, he was strong out of the gate. And now they have the COVID break, right? And, and he kind of lost that momentum, and he didn't finally – Finally, he looked pretty darn good the second night there at Jackson, but, you know, he struggled down there pretty bad, you know, and, and so bad that on the third night, you know, there, there's multiple reasons he left, but he basically qualified and said, I'm out. And, you know, I think he, had he been running really good, had he been kind of on a hot streak winning, like running really good, I think he would have stayed. I think they would have rescheduled that flight. They would have found a way to go in the morning or later or whatever. But I think after the week that he had, wasn't running real good. The track was heavy. He's like, we're not going to be in contention to win this deal. The pilot, from what I understand, was running low on minutes. Like, they had to fly at a certain time. The race was running late because of weather. And the top priority to them, of course, is the World of Outlaws series. So I think he just decided, you know what, enough's enough. I'm bolting. And from what I understand, I don't think he's at East Bay, is he? Oh, I, you know, uh, I, I, I caught a heat and a half. Yeah, I, I know. I don't think he's down there. From well, I could be wrong, but I, I actually, uh, when I looked through the deal there, I, I don't think he went down to East Bay. Okay. And I'm giving I mean, up on both both point tiles. Go ahead. I was just going to say, speaking of drivers that are struggling, I mean, uh, Earl Pearson Jr. was struggling before COVID, and he is still struggling. If he's struggling worse now than he was at the beginning of the season, and yeah. another driver struggling, and I was kind of afraid this was going to happen, you know, in a new house car, but. Uh, uh, Hudson O'Neill, you know, he's in the, in, in the master's built house car this year. And, you know, when this announcement took place, you know, we were saying, we didn't even realize master's built was even, you know, racing on the big scene. So we were afraid that he was going to struggle and that's proven true so far. Yeah. Yeah. Just a couple other observations, you know, like the, you know, even just the facility, I was pretty impressed with it. I didn't know what to think, you know, in a Ryan, I know you said the track was much bigger at one time, they shortened it up and then, Speaking of the weather, they actually had the Lucas Oil helicopter. If any of you are watching the coverage, they have some great coverage, great angles. They got the Lucas Oil chopper, and they they went around the track with it, and uh, for, you know to get the, the air moving for drying it out. I was going to mention Earl Pearson. Yeah, it's like Earl best finish 14th. I was going to ask you guys if we need to take the under on Earl. You know, the rest of the year, that problem just continues. And then yeah, two guys that impressed me: Josh Richards, 
you know, he's, he's not winning, but he's right there. I mean, he did win, but he's, he's you know, it's not like he's won like, like Jimmy Owens has won. He's been there. And then Devin Moran just like I said, seems to keep getting better. So that, that's kind of, you know, my follow-up on, on uh, Golden Isle. Anything else, either of you? Yeah, I, I tell you what, Devin Moran looked really good. Um, I think he's going to – that kid is absolutely, you know, turning some heads. I think he's going to be really good. I just confirmed. I was looking at my notes here, looking at Facebook. Yeah, B-Chef is not at East Bay. Okay. okay. Bert, anything and else? I, I just wanted to add that uh, last week we saw uh, the first running of uh, Ross Bales in the rented car. Uh, so and that was good to see. <laughs> All right, so – We'll move on to the other world of late model reaching, racing, which is the Morton Buildings World of Outlaw. Late models, they were up in Jackson, Minnesota for the Dry Dean Double Down Invitational. And before we get into the racing, Ash, I just wanted to kind of read a news headline that came out that some of you may have seen. Uh, true to the name of the weekend, Dry Dean is doubling down on the purse for Saturday night. They bumped the purse from 10000 to 20000 They bumped the starting pay from 700 to 1000 you know, Ryan, I know we talked about this, like neither of us had heard of Dryden two years ago, and now they're making such a big splash. You know, is there any doubt in your mind that Dryden will be the next title sponsor for the World of Outlaw Late Model Series? i got to be honest, I don't know. I really don't know. So not only did they double down there, they doubled down for the World of Outlaw Sprints at I-55 also. So they're throwing a lot of money at the World of Outlaws. Now, I want you to think about something. Right? They sponsor these events. They sponsor these shows. And I want you to really think about this. I was thinking about this when you mentioned this earlier. I've heard more about driving than I've heard about Morton Buildings. Yeah. So why on earth would they go and, and bump up there to be the title sponsor when they're getting all the recognition anyway? Right? So I looked at that and I'm like, I don't know how much, how many dollars are spent to be, you know, I don't know the, the financial situation of, you know, how much they have to pay to be the title sponsor, but I, I'd be willing to bet that they're paying a lot less than that right now. And they're getting more recognition than Morton building. So that's crazy. That's something for the world of outlaws to keep note of. And you know, what concerns me is you see different companies come into, into motorsports, right? And some of them sustain. They're there for a long time. But then you see companies come in, they throw a ton of money around for two, three, four years, and they're gone before you know it. And I'm hoping that doesn't happen because they're throwing a ton of money around, guys. I mean, literally everywhere you look, Dryden is sponsoring cars and their series is and different events, and they're just throwing money around. And, and man, I, I hope it's a long-term vision. I hope it's not like a, hey, we're going to try to get a big splash now and be gone, you know, because, you know, it's good for the sport. I tell you, when a company comes in like that and, you know, if they're getting a benefit on one end of it, right, from the advertising aspect, the sport is sure getting a benefit from their money going into the purses in the series. I hope this can be a long-term deal. Do I think they're going to be a, a title sponsor? Man, that's, that's something to think about. It, you know, it wouldn't surprise me, but they're getting all the recognition now, so there's really no reason for them to. Great point. Great point. All right, so Friday night's winner, Ricky Wees, $6,000 check. Saturday night's winner, a guy that, you know, I mean, I think a shocker to many, uh, $20,000 check to Ricky Thornton Jr. from the poll. Uh, impressive run. Bert, you know, your thoughts on the weekend down in Jackson? Uh, I mean, I was really happy to see Ricky Thornton Jr. Uh, win. Uh, I've had the opportunity to interview him the last two years because he's won the clash at the creek at 141 Speedway. 
And I just want to tell a quick story about Ricky Thornton. And just to give you an idea of the type of racer he is, uh, this last year at the Clash at the Creek, he qualified on qualifying night for the 10,000 to win modified feature. And later that night, they had like a, uh, match races. So if you win, you go on until there's only one car left. And he was signed up to race in that. And even though he was qualified for the big show, he continued to race in that. And he put his car up by the wall. He was inches from other cars. And he did win that just to win an extra $500. And when I asked him the next day if he ever thought about pulling, pulling out of the match racing, he said, no, I race for a living. So any opportunity I have to make a little bit of money, I take it. So, I mean, that's just the type of racer that he is. So it was good to see him, uh, you know, get a, a World of Outlaw feature win in the late models. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So you're right on the money, Bert. Well, you know, when, when racers race for a living, man, they'll do anything they can to get an extra 500 bucks. And, you know, hats off to Ricky Weiss. He looked really good both nights. You know, he won the first night. He got second, I believe, the second night. So he looked good both nights. But, uh, the second night, I tell you what, I really got a lot of respect watching Ricky Thornton race. I don't know if you guys got to watch that race or not, but Simpson led the majority of that race, and kind of like what happened down at Golden Isles, you didn't want to be leading because he stepped all over himself, jumped the cushion, gave the lead away. I don't know if he would have got the lead. You know, I don't know if he would have retained or not. Thornton was there, but here's the deal. Here's what I noticed. You notice a lot of guys, if they're running the bottom, they run the bottom all the way around. You notice other guys, if they're banging the cushion, they're banging the cushion all the way around. Thornton is a wheel man. Watch this guy. I'm telling you, he's going to he's gonna be a long-term fixture in the late models. He's going to win a lot of races because he was the first guy I noticed in that race that was searching, right? He was banging the bottom in three and four because he was getting a huge runoff. But in one and two, it looked to me – like there was maybe a little moisture down there, like a little bit of grease, because you can see guys running the bottom and shoving the nose, and he caught that right away. So he started rolling the top of one and two, bottom of three and four. So he decided he was going to be versatile and kind of moving around where he had to be. And the best guys in the business, that's what they do. They're searching. I think of Daryl Nelson, you know, in, in our area, mods and lates, he's not running the bottom or the top. He's running wherever he has to go. And I watched that with Thornton. I'm like, man, that guy is absolutely talented. And, you know, tough break there, of course, for Simpson. He had a good run going till then. But, uh, you know, Weiss, you know, I, he, he had a very solid weekend with a first and a second. Happy to see that. That's my pick to win it all this year. And Bishop finally, um, I guess, you know, I, guess I should say finally, because he's obviously very, very good and wins a lot of races. But he had a stretcher where he wasn't doing very good. But he came from, I think, 10th, I think he started, and he he was coming at the end. I think uh, one more lap, I think he was going to go around Ricky and, and get second. He really come on at the end of that race. So um, there was some good racing to be had on the World of Outlaws. What I was disappointed in was the support class. Guys, the Tri-State Late Model Series was there. I want to talk about a flop. Um, I'm going to let you guys talk. I, I'll let you guys talk about what you saw with that. And then I'm going to give you some thoughts on, on what I saw with the Tri-State deal and, and why it was so bad. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll finish up, we'll finish up uh, Jackson with the Tri-State. Kind of my observations, you know, Chubb Frank is back, you know, out of nowhere. All of a sudden, you know, here he is. He retired from the Woo in 2018. He shows up. Uh, my favorite memory of, of Chubb is the 2017 Hibbing World of Outlaw Late Model event. Uh, you can catch that on YouTube for those of you race fans. But 
You know, he led the majority of laps that night, hadn't, still hasn't won a late, late model race since 09. So people are kind of rooting for him. Literally, Bishop passes him at the flag stand as the white flag is out and wins the race. I rewatched it this morning. It was so exciting. But um, so that was really cool to see. You know, the B1 bomber, Brett Larson, you know, former Wazota guy, pole on the first night. He ended up, you know, clipping, I don't know, he somehow clipped something on the on the infield and, and spun himself in there. He was able to continue the race, but, you know, finished well back. Uh, Shannon Babb with the new paint scheme, trying to fit in with the uh, Team Zero. A lot less red, a lot more white and black. Uh, Kate Dillard, a guy, you know, we made some predictions around Christmas about guys we thought, you know, would excel this year. And I'm, I'm still feeling good about my Brandon Overton pick, but, you know, Kate Dillard, he was strong in the second half of 19. So I thought, gosh, he's going to go back. He's going to steal a lot of the same tracks. Of course, he hasn't because of this, you know, the goofy schedule. But, you know, he did, he, like I said, he struggled out less. You know, he struggled that Friday night. Hey, he I did get him. a win, though. He did yeah, get yeah. a win. You said he struggled. He got his first win all West. So right, he did, right. But I he's don't been, know if he's consistent, but he did, right, he did, right, get, right. He did get a victory. Exactly. It seems like it's feast or famine. And I saw him kind of struggling Friday night, then all of a sudden he looped it. Um, yeah, and then, and then Simpson, right? I want to talk to you. So he leads the majority of laps. I mean, it was tricky on the cushion. It wasn't the first time he really jumped in. He was, there were times it seemed like he was struggling. But he still ends up fourth. This is a guy that's not a woo regular. So when he laid his head down for the pillow that night, was he angry that he didn't get the win? He didn't get the 20,000? Or was he pretty still satisfied? Hey, look, I'm more of a regional guy. I got fourth. I competed. I led a lot of laps. Thoughts? Stop. I'm a racer. Stop. <laughs> Come on. If you lead the majority of the race and then you give one away like that, it like I, I don't care if you would have got second. Like he's he might do this, you know, politically correct deal on the camera and say, you know, you know, I'm I'm just happy to be here, right? I, I did good. We got second. No, he's pissed. I mean, he you remember those ones because it was his race to lose. He had every opportunity to win that race, and that's gonna stick that sticks with the guy. That that'll motivate you. It'll motivate the right person, and it'll deject some people. Um, I, I, I can't remember the name. Who was number 62 in that race? The yellow car. Um, I'm going to look through my notes because it's bothering me now. He was a local guy, too, and, and he ran up in the top five most of that race. I think he broke with engine trouble, so that was interesting to see. Zeitner. Zeitner? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, Zeitner. Zeitner. Yeah, and, and he's, a, he's typically a tri-state guy, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah, he ran that. really well in that race. He was running up in the top five most of that race, and I think he had engine trouble and pulled off. You know, you talk about Shannon Babb, guys. I saw that car, and I'm like, wait a second, is he part of Team Zero or is he teammates with Youngins? Right? Because they, they look like identical, you know, kind of, except one's red and one's blue, you know, as far as the graphics go. So I'm like, hmm, they kind of look too much alike to me. They kind of look like they're teammates there, but. uh you know, Bert, you know, what was your takeaway from Jackson? Well, I mean, one of the first takeaways is uh, noticing that the Lucas Oil Series, their races had a higher car count than what the World of Outlaw races did. And I'm sure part, some of that has to do with the geographic location of where the races were held. I mean, a Golden Isles down in Georgia, which is more of a hotbed for racing than, you know, the guys from the uh, – southern states having to travel up to minnesota to race um so that was probably my biggest takeaway and uh i mean it's funny you're talking about babs colors because uh i mean as i've talked about on here before i collect the uh, dirt late model die cast 
and uh, the diecast company released uh, renderings of the new Shannon Babb uh, diecast coming out, and that was one of the comments that a collector posted was, "It looks like Youngin's car." <laughs> so, absolutely. So, yeah, you hit that on the head. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and, and you're going to have it regardless. It'll be in one of your cases there for sure. <laughs> so, you know, talking about that Tri-State deal, now, <clears throat> I don't know much about the rule package, but I thought it was kind of versatile where they could run open motors. They could run like a spec type motor. They could run crates. I thought it was kind of versatile. So, to me, I'm looking at that as like, why didn't those guys just run with the world of outlaws you know that's what they're going to do when they come up to minnesota and wisconsin on the world of outlaw swing the wasota guys are all going to run with the world of outlaws like why even separate them right you know because there wasn't really that what was there 28 cars or something like that I remember, yeah. so i mean if they would have added the whole whopping 13 cars now they would have had 40 cars in that in that deal now that tri-state deal I, I did a little research on this and i'm like 13 cars like now I looked at it, guys. Several of those cars, some of those cars were with soda cars, right? So I'm looking at that. I'm like, why on earth is there so few cars? I mean, that's terrible, guys. It's a thousand to win. The Donninger Ford Grand Rapids Speedway pays on a regular night when late models are there a thousand to win. This is supposed to be some kind of a regional traveling series, and that really, really tells me why Madison and Montevideo and Wilmer and those tracks are looking that direction rather than looking at the, at the Wasota late model challenge series. Quite frankly, it's because it's a thousand to win. I looked at the schedule. I'm like, man, I, you know, I honestly, most late model guys are simply not going to drive across the street for a thousand to win, right? They're just not going to do it. So they might get a, I'm really worried about that series and some of them shows because they're not going to get many travelers unless there's absolutely nothing else going on. And that's why I like, you know, I talked to the guy from the dirt Kings and he's like, no, no, if our guys are going to travel, they better be throwing up some money, right? Well, they got to, because our, our guys aren't going to travel two, three, four, five, six hours for a thousand to win 1500. It ain't going to happen. So I'm very disappointed with that side of things. Because if you're going to have a support class, and if you only have 28 late models with the World of Outlaws, you better have a support class or it gets awfully boring, awfully fast. Because that just simply ain't enough racing. But very concerned about that series. Um, I don't know who's in charge of it, but they may need to sharp. They may need to rethink their whole deal here. Um, because it, it's, I don't think it's going to work. It ain't going to be a long-term deal for sure. Tough, yeah. Well, I'm going to follow up. We'll go come back to some racing in Minnesota in just a second here, Ryan. I just want to put one, one more comment here on the Jackson weekend was just kind of how that the track is kind of coming into its own, kind of taking a page from Big Brother Knoxville. You know, they, it was in 2018 when they brought a Lucas Oil show there. I think it was won by Bloomquist, and then last year's was rained out. But, you know, they're moving a little bit into this late model. You know, I had never seen the facility. I know it's a legendary place. It's been a sprint car place. You know, Doug Wolfgang won a lot of races there. But like I said, kind of taking a page out of out of Big Brother and introducing the, the track to a whole new set of fans. And then it got me thinking about HUSIP and that Badlands Speedway. Like, what if? You know, same kind of thing. You know, if they, if they had a, a promoter, you know, right now instead of whatever you want to call this guy, showman, you know, but, you know, he could see, you know, or if the new person comes in, see what Knoxville's done with the Dirt Late Models, you know, and then now what Jackson's done is just another opportunity, another great facility that could probably host a big – 
dollar show for for the late models. So that was just kind of my thought, final thoughts there. But Ryan, you were you wanted to just talk about racing in Minnesota in general. Yeah, you know, here's the deal. You know, that was like the first race in the state of Minnesota with this COVID deal. And you know, I'm I've got to wondering like, well, how the heck can they race and nobody else can? I mean, I know it was fanless, but there's other tracks that are trying to do fanless that they're simply not letting them. So I'm thinking, man, is there politics involved? You know, rumor has it that the guy that owns Jackson is buddy with Tim Walls, the governor of Minnesota, and that's why he got an exemption to be able to have them shows in the first place. You know, I know that Cliff up and Brainerd at North Central Speedway, they put a great plan together. They talked to local officials, and they said, hey, we want to run fanless at the North Central Speedway. Perfect. The local officials said, yes, state of Minnesota shut them down, wouldn't let them run fanless. Why are they letting some tracks run and not other tracks run? And it's the state of Minnesota. It's absolutely ridiculous. So I, I'm very frustrated with that because I help a couple tracks. We're trying to get things off the ground. Yes, it's great to see some racing actually happen. But, man, it, it, just, it just puts a sour taste in my mouth with this whole deal. I'm kind of jealous of the state right across the river. You know, it's like everything in Wisconsin seems to be opening. That's, you know, I got the Twins hat on. I'm repping. I got Bert down there with the Brewers on. He's repping Wisconsin. <laughs> I got to be honest, I'm a little jealous, right? Wisconsin's getting a race everywhere. Bert, what do you got to say about that? Um, yeah, I mean, most of the tracks in Wisconsin are opening. Uh, on the eastern side of the state, uh, Gravity Park uh, opened uh, this past Friday night. Um, Shano Speedway is going to have a practice this coming Saturday, and then they're going to uh, have their opener on the first weekend of June. Uh, some other tracks are going to be starting first weekend of June, uh, but one track that won't be opening, actually two tracks that won't be opening because they can't get the, their local county to uh, approve them racing is uh, Red Cedar Speedway and uh, the racetrack in Rice Lake, uh, which is unfortunate. You know, they're trying to work with the local authorities and uh, weren't able to get approval. I mean, that's one reason why the tracks on the eastern side of the of Wisconsin uh, are a little delayed in opening compared to the Western tracks is the, the tracks in Eastern Wisconsin are working with local health officials and they have gotten approval and they're, you know, going to use the guidelines that are, that they're being asked to use. Yeah. I know one track that's in uh, on the Western side of the state that's been opening Mississippi thunder. They've been, they got a couple races in Puka, man, I think they had 178 cars. Incredible car call. Amazing. I tell you what, Bob, Tim, Tyrone, Lingenfelter, them two guys are doing a fabulous job promoting down there. And uh, I think we'll probably – let's talk about that next. I mean, you know, they had a – they were supposed to have a doubleheader. One night rained out. They had a huge, huge show. So we talked a little bit about the Tri-State Series kind of being a flop, right? But 47 late models entered for the Dirt King show at Mississippi Thunder – you know, uh, I guess, Puka, what, what was your takeaway from that show? Well, I was going to turn that over to Bert. Well, actually, I guess I got one comment. I got one comment. Um, but Chad Mater, you know, led 30 laps. There's another guy that, you know, I've seen Chad Mater be a bullet um, fast. But then, and correct me if I'm wrong with you guys, but how often does he race? Is he one of those guys that might race two weeks and then two weeks off? Because he just doesn't seem like I see him in the results consistently i see him at cedar lake in there he's bolted i see the last year at the twin 25s he was really fast i think he, was, he got the hard charger he was about to get the hard charger but he broke uh do you know anything kind of about his racing ryan or bert i do so i want you to think about this so you said you don't see him weekly 
name me two weekly tracks in Wisconsin that have late models in his area. There's Menominee and Menominee, right? Well, you got Superior, but Superior's of course also on Friday. So the only night that he can even run weekly is Menominee. Cedar Lake only had him what yeah, six, right, seven yeah. times last year. So Chad follows Challenge Series, and Chad also follows some of the bigger money shows that are in the area, and that's what all the Wisconsin guys do. I mean. You know, it's crazy to me that there's just not a Friday, Saturday, Sunday Wissota deal in Wisconsin. So all of them guys, they, they just kind of follow around the specials. Chad Mater's a hell of a race car driver. Great pedigree there, and the whole family's good. I mean, obviously, Dwayne, you know, he passed away, but he was great. And Ron Mater was great. And Chad, right. Chad and Corey Mater and the mod. So that whole family's great race car drivers. But, you know, it looked like he had engine trouble. You know, tough break for him. He's been very, you know, he's very good race car driver had a shot to win that one, but I think that's really what it comes down to is they just, they don't have a weekly deal. Yeah. All right, Bert, why don't you take it there, uh, take it from there, let them know who won uh, on Friday night, like I said, the only night because Saturday night was a washout. Yeah, well, uh, Jake Kim won uh, the late model feature, the Dirt King's late model feature. Um, I, I believe this is his second win in the Dirt King series because uh, he won the Dirt King's, the only Dirt King's appearance at the Mississippi Thunder last year and if i'm not mistaken that was his first ever night in racing a late model uh so uh he's definitely uh proven that he knows how to drive a late model i mean and he backed it up uh in the modified feature i can't remember where he finished it was either sec i believe maybe second but he passed a ton of cars to get there uh but as Ryan pointed out, there is 47 Dirt Kings late models there, which uh, is a record for a Dirt King show. The previous high, I believe, was around 35, 36 uh, at the Oshkosh Speed Zone in Oshkosh. And, uh, you know, it was a perfect storm for, for the large car count because you had uh, late model drivers from Iowa coming. You had all, most of the Dirt King drivers were there because they haven't raced yet this year and they just wanted to get some time behind the wheel. And you had an influx of Wasoda area Wasoda drivers that raced there. Uh, I was surprised to see Jimmy Mars there racing instead of racing in Jackson at the World of Outlaw show. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, overall, it was it was you know a great success for Mississippi Thunder and for the Dirt King series in general. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, when the Dirt Kings actually race on the eastern side of the state where the series is actually originally from. Um, so I'm hoping to catch the Dirt Kings race this Friday at SK Speedway in Unity, uh, which the track that is known by several other names. <laughs> um, but the old Monster Hall track, that's what I'm most familiar with it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Overall, you, great. you said that Jake Tim came from a ways back. He started 14th. And, and I'll keep in mind, it was a USMTS mod race, yep. right? So it wasn't just a regular local mod race. So, I mean, there was a bunch of heavy hitters in that race. And I'm telling you what, guys, I thought he was going to win. I was absolutely shocked that he didn't because he was bolted on the top. I mean, he was zinging the wall, and he was hitting his marks perfect lap after lap after lap and just driving right to the front. He closed the gap from like a straightaway to like within striking distance. And I'm like, uh-oh, Sorensen is in big trouble. Then the yellow comes out. And I'm like, it's over. It is over. Like I figured for sure Jake Tim was going to roll by him. And he just couldn't hit his marks the rest of the race. He kept jumping the cushion. 
slapping the right rear against the fence, turning the nose, and uh, Dustin Sorensen won. Now, what's interesting to me, and I, I could be wrong, but I believe that Dustin Sorensen is a second-generation driver. I believe his dad is Mike Sorensen that ran Modern Lates. Jake Tim, second-generation driver, dad run Modern Lates. So that, I believe their dads raced against each other in that area. Now the kids are racing. They go first, second. So, again, great racing pedigree. And what a racetrack. My God. I mean, to be able to see that much oh, passing, it was jam-packed. It was. I mean, it was unbelievable. Everything – Everything went good. The weather was good that Friday. The car counts were great. They had a good fan base. The racing was phenomenal. I'm telling you what, them guys down at Mississippi Thunder are doing a fantastic job. And Jake Tim actually went to Jackson, and, and you, you know, he didn't do all that well there. But, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. I want, I want to see that kid win somewhere other than Mississippi Thunder, right? Because he is lights out fast there. When Cedar Lake opens up, I imagine he's going to be running some shows there. But he said he's kind of running open stuff. So, you know, I don't know what their rules entail. But I want to see him win somewhere other than Mississippi Thunder because he's, he is the man to beat at that place. And uh, just, just a great field of cars. Great, great experience. Looking forward to actually watching their show again this coming Friday. Awesome. Yeah, I just want to backtrack on a couple of things with that Tri-State Series. We forgot to tell you the winner, uh, Tab. Pospisil won both nights of the uh, Tri-State, and they also qualified, they said, for the Wushu both nights. So he went home uh, with his pockets a little bit heavier, with a little bit of dough in it. And then, yes, uh, the Mississippi Thunder weekend was the Discount Shop Tall's Dirt Kings Late Models. This was the series opener, and of course, like I said, the U.S. MTS series rolled through. So, and then, like I said, Saturday night, unfortunately, raining out. So, all right, another couple of days of racing. Uh, Thursday, Friday took place at the Gondick Law. Speedway up in Superior, Wisconsin for the Minnesota Modified Nationals held this year in Wisconsin due to COVID. We had Dan Ebert winning on Thursday. We had Kelly Esty winning on Friday. Saw some highlights. Looked like some great action. Uh, Ryan, I want to ask you, because I know you were tuned into this one, I want to ask you about the action. And then I want to ask you about the incident that apparently happened on Thursday night, the first night between Kelly Esty and Johnny Broken, because this isn't the first time. For those of you that live in this area, they know that there's, there's a rivalry there. There's been contact there in the past. And uh, I just want to know if you have any details because I don't. Yeah, I do. I, I watched most of that. You know, it was a great event. Dirt Race Central covered that. So I was able to watch both events and uh, great racing. They did a they, hats off, hats off to the folks over at the Gonda Claus Speedway. Um, prepared a phenomenal racetrack, multiple grooves of racing. Um, they had a lot of fans there. They, they did their best at the social distancing, but there's only so much you can do. They had a really good crowd. Really and, good crowd. you know, I know that you're, you're don't want me to talk about all the classes, but the super stock field guys, there was multiple national champions there. I'm talking Timmy Johnson, Sebraski, Burdick, Moss, Kurt Myers. I mean, at one point there was like 200 feature wins in the top five just from last year. I mean, it's crazy, right? This massive talent, Dave Moss just put a beat down on him the first night. And the second night, you know, there was three national, four national championships or cars battling for the lead at one time. Myers body slams Sebraski coming off of four. They go four wide getting into one. Moss pokes it in there to go four wide. He spins out, gets collected. Off he goes. And uh, Sebraski went to drive around because actually Myers screwed up later, hit the wall, and Sebraski drove away. So the super stock racing was great. Skeeter Esty flat out dominated both days. Um, I will say this, Cody Carlson 
um, who is actually sponsored by a buddy of ours. But Cody Carlson had a close second on the first night. The second night, he was there. I don't remember if he was leading or if he was running second, but he was strong, spit a drive shaft. So Skeeter oh, looked like he might have had a little competition. Now, the first night in the Modifieds, Dan Ebert started 12th, guys, and he oh. drove to the front. Now, Greg Chesley, you know, he's from Duluth there. Um, he actually took a couple years off of, of racing. He started racing a little bit last year. He, it, if it weren't for a late yellow, he was gone. He had that race won by close, I mean, half straightaway or better. He was absolutely lights out, and the yellow closed the gap. Ebert put a beautiful slider on him in one and two, cleared him, cleared him good enough where actually Chesley got back underneath him, came into three and four in the last corner, spun out right in the middle of the corner. It's like, oh, Greg. He went from having a great run to stepping all over it. But, I mean, he looked really good. Didn't quite do so good the second night. But on that first night, you mentioned, I believe they were battling. They were up in the top five, and it might have been second and third at the time. I heard they were right. I heard they were in the mix, yep. So, Esty was kind of diamonding it, and Johnny Broking, you know, he's, I'm going to pick on the kid. He's like a catfish, you know. We always picked on Esty about being a catfish. You see him diamonding and kind of running – in the middle and up to the top, like the Pat Door line, he's kind of using up a whole lot of racetrack, but fast doing it. And Johnny Brokings, I mean, he's really good on the bottom. And basically what happened is Kelly was kind of poking in the middle and Joan, Johnny drove underneath them to try to get position on them. And they come together, you know, and, you know, it's one of those deals where did Kelly come down? Did Johnny squeeze the guy? I don't know. They got, needless to say, they got together. Both of them got a flat tire. Both of them done for the night. I okay, talked both to both of them. You talked to Johnny. He's like, I Kelly came down on me. You talked to Kelly. He's like, well, here's, I've been running that line the whole race. And, you know, it, it's, you'll have to watch it. You know, it's on Dirt Race Central. Go to the archives, watch the race, make that judgment for yourself. But both of them guys, they're going to have a lot of laps against each other. And that broken Yeah, that broke. It's, it's, it's basically, it's worth the price of admission because both the Brokings drive really hard. Johnny and his dad, Bob, they drive very hard. They're always going to be in the contention for the win. Same thing with Kelly Esty, killer Kelly Esty, right? I mean, he's, he'd run over his mom if he had to for a win. It just is what it is, right? And that's what, what it takes. In fact, he won the second night. Ebert started yeah. 12th the first night wins, right? He starts on the pole the second night gets second. And he led most of that race. Yellow comes out. I watched this over and over and over again. And on the restart, Ebert left the door wide open, right? You can't leave the door open for anybody, especially Caliesti, right? They come off four on the start, and Ebert's in the middle of the block on the start. Like, he didn't even go off the bottom and launch. And Kelly, you know, he pointed the car. He hit the tax strip on the bottom, pulled up next to him. Like, I don't know what Ebert was thinking. When he, I guarantee Dan's a winner. He's probably going to look at that and go, oh, man, I kind of gave that away because Kelly come in, and then Kelly did what Kelly does. He, Kelly did what Kelly does. He uses the racetrack, and he didn't bank him. He didn't hit him. He, he squeezed him all the way up to try to get that momentum and, and kill the momentum for Ebert, took the lead, never looked back. He had lots of heavy pressure, but if you watch that race, my goodness, I mean, Kelly was doing everything he could to make that car wide and he come away victorious. So great racing at the Gondekla Speedway. I was thinking about going to that one myself, and fortunately, Dirt Race Central had it on, on TV. I was able to watch it. Great show, great car count. Nice to see some good quality racing with fans 
kind of in our home area, so to speak. So um, what do you, what did you guys take away from that event? Well, uh, you know, like I said, uh, after Kelly got him and yeah, you know, kind of, kind of brushed him up there, there, there was another restart, you know, so I was really interested to see, but yeah, Ebert just couldn't quite, and Kelly was running that line in one and two where you come in low and then you drift all the way up and then he was, you know, shooting, shooting roosters, you know, down the backstretch and, and, uh, but yeah, you know, and then, uh, you know, a guy I saw both nights on the highlights up there was Sabraski. you know, I don't know where he started both nights, but there's that, that orange and blue car just sticks out and, and he was there, you know, too. I don't know exactly where he finished both nights. Well, so a little bit on Sabraski there, Pukta. The first night, he went out in the heat, car didn't run, pulled off. Went out in the beat, car didn't run, pulled off. He got the provisional, right, because he's a past champion of the Mon Nationals. He got the provisional, started 25th or 26th, and he drove Perfect. all the way up. I think he got sixth, but he drove all the way through the field. He was very, very good. And then he passed a bunch of cars the second night, obviously won the Superstock. So – you know, Shane, Shane Sabraski is another guy, just worth the price of admission, probably one of the most smooth drivers I've ever seen in my life. All right. Okay, fellas. Well, we are heading into the last lap section where we have one to go. All right, Ryan, we were going to talk about some rumors because uh, Jonathan Powers and his father, Troy Powers, run the Amsoil Twin 25s that are held also at the Gondek Law Speedway. It's a double feature event, so basically you come in, you run a full Wazota program, get your national points in the winner. They set up some numbers on the front stretch. He goes and draws where he is going to start the second feature. He's somewhere between 8th and 16th. So say he picks number 10. So he is going to start 10th. The second place driver is going to start 9th. The third place driver is going to start 8th, you know, so on and so forth. So uh, there was some, you know, he, he posted on the 2020 Facebook page uh, just some details about the event. We already know that the USRA late models have been added to the 2020 list, but then he, he was quoted as saying, where's my notes here, uh, Dirt Kings drivers, stay tuned for updates. And we were going to throw all kinds of rumors around and speculate, except Ryan, a consistent digger, always grinding, has some answers for us as to what's going on with the 2025s and the Dirt Kings. Yeah, I thought, maybe at, I thought maybe at first it was like, are they going to just be non-sanctioned and go Dirt Kings? Because in my opinion, that would have been a great idea. Nothing against Wissota, but you get over in that Wisconsin region, you just go with like a dirt king type rule, you might gain you might gain 10, 12 cars. Well, most of the dirt kings guys are with soda legal anyway. So they worked out a sponsor. I haven't got a hundred percent confirmation, but I'm pretty sure I know who it is. Bert might know. Um, but they got a sponsor to have a bonus for the dirt king guys to come over, and that guy is really tight in with the dirt king series. And I think I know who it is from over there. He sponsors like late models all the time. I'm pretty sure that's who it is. Um, but the fact is, there's going to be some bonus money thrown out to the, like, the highest finishers, some different stuff for the Dirt King guys to participate. So, you know, if you're a late model fan, you're going to see not just your good with soda guys from the area, you're also going to see some of the guys from eastern Wisconsin come over because it sounds like there's been some verbal commitments that Dirt Kings are not racing against that show. Sounds like there's already some verbal commitments that there's about 10 of them for sure that are coming over. So that's going to be a great show. Also, uh, you'll be able to watch that online if you can't make it. So, Bert, do you have any information on that? I don't have any new information other than what you just stated. Uh, what, what's the date of that show? Uh, July 31st, I believe. Okay. I'm 99% sure. It's a Friday. Yeah, it's like the last Friday because they do that. Um, it, it's 
because the first Monday of August is like Canada's Labor Day. So they always do it around that time because so, the Canadians will come down and spend a long weekend in the U.S. So it's July. I'm 99% sure it's July. Maybe not this year they won't. <laughs> hey, enough with the negativity, man. We need all the Canadian fans to come down. They support that. They support the Gondic Law Speedway probably better than half the people in Superior and Duluth do. Yeah. Yeah. And, so we'll, and of course, we'll preview this event as we get closer because it's really unique. It's 1500 to win, but it's 250 to start. And you're, like I said, you're racing two features, same night. You know, there's you know, guys are, are leaving with some cash in their pocket. Like I said, normally it's a kind of a great time of year. Even not this year, I'm not getting near as many shows, but it's kind of a time of the year where the money can be getting a little thin. You're starting to look, invitationals are a month off and, and it, it's a really, you know, like I said, fun, unique event. You know what I am concerned about guys that night is that one of their support classes, they're having the USRA, um, I guess, USRA B late models, right? As, as hot Carl would call it. Um, Cedar Lake last week only had eight. You know, so if, if yeah. I, there's not many to draw from. So I'm looking right. at that going, I just don't know if that, you know, that class ain't quite taken off again. I don't want to see a, a tri-state deal that happened at the World of Outlaws show where they have 12 cars in their support class. Um, I really hope that there's more cars that I don't know of that kind of fill in the gaps and, you know, hopefully they can get around 20 of them. But I'm not real optimistic. I know Superior, they just, they just on a whim, they said, hey, Let's have street stocks at the Mod Nationals. Guys, there ain't street stocks in the area. They ended up with like seven or eight of them or some stupid thing. I mean, so it's like, you know, the thought is there. I get it. But, you know, you just got to pay close attention to like, is there actually enough of those cars around to actually make it happen? All right. The World of Outlaw Sprint Cars came out with some news this week. June 5th, uh, the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars were set to be racing in Grand Forks. June 6th, the Granite City down in St. Cloud, Minnesota, canceled the event. Much to the, uh, my chagrin, because those are events, you know, I love going out to Grand Forks. But my loss is Burt's Gain, as they've decided to move a couple of shows over to uh, Beaver Dam Raceway over in Burt's area. So, Burt, what kind of details do you have? And you ever, have you ever been there? Have you seen, ever seen a sprint race there? Well, first, I want to say that you can go to Beaver Dam Raceway. You can still see the sprints. You could just travel east instead of west. <laughs> About eight hours, huh? <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, Beaver Dam Raceway, I have not seen a sprint car race there. Uh, I saw, I've saw. i seen a World of Outlaw late model races there. And uh, actually, that's how I became a Jason Fager fan. Uh, that what, I was at the race where he won his first uh, um, World of Outlaw late model race. Uh, and I found out why he's called the high side hustler, because he, he was up on the wall the entire race. But anyway... Yeah, Beaver Dam Raceway, uh, they have the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars there every year. Normally, the show is later in June. This year's uh, show was scheduled for June 20th. Uh, but what happened is they're canceling that show. And what I understand is the World of Outlaws will be renting the Beaver Dam Raceway track and running a doubleheader on June 5th and 6th. And there will be limited seating available for that show. Um, Beaver Dam Raceway is a sprint. They don't have weekly sprint cars, but they're a sprint car crowd. For the World of Outlaw Sprint Car shows, that place is packed. You put on a, a big late model show there, not packed. It's just it's just the crowd preference in that area of the state. But uh, it should be a, a great event, considering the the fan support that the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars get at that track. 
Is there a lot of flat bill hat people around that area <laughs> or something? I mean, they're all sprint car fans. You know, hey, there was some sprint car racing going on this weekend. I'm, I'm excited for that to get to Beaver Dam. That's not too far from me. Maybe I'll make the trek up. We'll see what's happening. I've never I mean, been there. Beaver Dam Raceway is an awesome facility. I mean, the, the track is really nice. Uh, the facility is very spacious. Uh, it's, you know, it's not in the city. So, you know, there's a lot of room and it, it's a scenic area. So, I mean, uh, I've, I've been impressed every time that I've seen races there. So um, I wouldn't hesitate to go if you have the opportunity. Yeah, I might have to do that. And, you know, you talked about driving earlier, Puka. We talked about that. And not only did they double up the purse, right, at Jackson for the late models, they doubled up the purse for the sprint cars this weekend at I-55. There was a couple sprint car races that happened. And I got a buddy of mine, Keith, that watches this show. And he's always smacking me around saying, you know, hey, sprint cars are way better than late model and modifieds. Like, like he just... Now, here's the deal. I, I jumped on to watch the feature. I'm telling you, man, they hyped it up. Like, whoever the guy announcing was, they had some good rock music playing. And, like, like I'm, like, getting pumped, like, like before the race even started. In nine seconds, uh, Kyle Larson had a, broke the track record nine-second lap at I-55. He goes, try doing that in the late model, he said. I'm like, holy crap, that is hauling. And uh, Brad Sweet, of course, your uh, your defending champ, he won night one, and and actually Kyle Larson got second. Night two was won by Kyle Larson. Turns out, I and I didn't know this, and I don't know exactly know how it works, but I'm they're brother-in-laws. I did not know that Kyle Larson, Brad Brad Sweet, brother-in-laws. And the second night, I actually watched that feature, and it was exciting, man. Them guys were moving. It was a hell of a race. And Sheldon Hoddenchild had that deal won, barrel rolls leading. Lead goes to Kyle Larson, and uh, Sweet was up to, like, second or third, and I thought maybe he was going to have a shot. He kind of backpedaled a little bit, you know, so he didn't uh, he didn't even finish second. But excellent racing with the World of Outlaw Sprints, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, I've watched them, and I'm like, ah, it just doesn't seem exciting, but they're getting some big car counts. I mean, I think there was, like, 60 of them again or 64, some crazy number like that down there at I-55, and, and part of the reason why, and I, I had a guy asking me, well, how come they get so many more cars? Well, I don't know if there's any other sprint car racing going on. So they're getting uh, everybody, right? In the late models, I mean, not only was there the races we talked about, but, I mean, there was, I mean, multiple races. I mean, heck, Dirt on Dirt had three races on one night. You know, so there was just a ton more late model racing going on. And I would just, you know, that's why I love the crown jewels, right? You see the... The USA Nationals, you see the World 100, where a lot of them series come together. And when you get the best of the best or speed weeks down in Florida, sprint car seems like they're, they're having that about every week right now. So it's been it's pretty cool. If you're a sprint car fan, right now is the time to be watching some sprint car racing for sure. Well, let's turn our uh, – you mentioned late models. Let's turn our attention back there. So they, the World of All Out Late Models will be in action this weekend down in Davenport, Iowa, with a pretty unique format. Uh, they have a quarter-mile track there and a half-mile track. So Friday night, they're going to hit the quarter-mile track. Saturday night, they're going to hit the half-mile track. Uh, 6,000 and 10,000, kind of the same payout that was supposed to be last weekend. Ryan, have you ever raced there? And what do you think of this format as a, coming from a driver? Pretty interesting. I, I've never been there. It's interesting. You know, as a driver, as a driver, I used to, I always like to double headers at the same track because if you go through the first night, you, you know, you can always better yourself for the second night by making some adjustments. Well, 
Now it's like you're going to two different places. In my mind, I'm thinking they should have did the half-mile track first because the quarter-mile track, they're going to tear some shit up, right? You're on a blue bull ring. That's where you do a lot of body damage, rip the nose off, right, rear quarter panel. They should probably do the half-mile first, the quarter-mile second, but I guess uh, they want to see some of them uh, World of Outlaw guys have to pound some dents and work and do all that stuff. So it, it'll be interesting. I, I, I didn't even know they had a quarter-mile and a half-mile track, so that's interesting to me. But uh, it'll, it'll be fun to watch. And, you know, we're talking about some very good race car drivers. They'll adapt. They'll be just fine. And, Bert, uh, the 26th running of Eldora's dream. Well, essentially, they're saying postponed, but let's call it what it is. Canceled till 2021. Uh, thoughts? I don't know if you've ever been to the dream. Yeah, I don't know why they're saying it's postponed to yeah. early next June. Because unless they're going to run two dreams next year, it's canceled for this year. Um, so uh, the way they're, the way they're, uh, reporting this it is a little mind boggling to me, but, uh, I have a friend who goes to the dream every year and, uh, you know, he was constantly watching to see, you know, we're only two weeks out and we have no idea if, you know, we're going to be making the eight hour drive down to Eldora, but yeah, he found out it was canceled and, and well postponed, but in all reality, it's canceled. <laughs> Well, and they did say they've got some plans in place. They're still looking at doing some sort of a racer, but they said, again, they're working with the officials. Right. want to do something for that date. going to be fanless. They haven't announced anything, so just uh, stay tuned here to the One to Go show. We'll get you the details when that is announced. And another uh, piece of news out of Wisconsin here, Bert, uh, the IndyCars might or are going to be showing up at Road America for a doubleheader. Yeah, uh, the IndyCar Series races once a year at Road America. Uh, this year it was scheduled for June 21st, uh, but uh, the IndyCar series had to cancel uh, two of their races. One was in Canada, and obviously there's logistical issues <laughs> with holding a race in Canada. And I can't remember where the other race was supposed to be. But uh, so they they scheduled a doubleheader for Road America uh, for July 11th and 12th. So um, Wisconsin fans are reaping some of the benefits of the COVID, I guess. <laughs> money's, money's flowing into Wisconsin. There's no question. I mean, it's, you know, not just, I mean, it's flowing into Missouri too. I mean, I-55's, you know, been booking shows. So it's, it's, it's really interesting. Hey, uh, speaking, speaking of, of Wisconsin, Puka, speaking of Wisconsin, Cedar Lake Speedway, they've had a couple events already, but we're talking the Mecca of Wisota, of, of, I guess they're not Wisota, but the Mecca of late model racing in our area. And they're finally going to have, for the first time this year, uh, Saturday night modified and late models at the Cedar Lake Speedway. So I'm um, curious to see how that's going to turn out. Do you guys know, are any of Cedar Lake's races, are, are any of those on pay-per-view? I, I don't believe I've seen any of them on pay-per-view before. I don't know. Sports is, is it, or Shift, Speed Shift, or Shift TV, Speed Shift TV. They're, Speed I, Shift. I've seen a lot of highlights from them at times, but I don't know. If there's anything live, that'd be something we should research. I'm going to talk to Chris tomorrow um, from the Cedar Lake Speedway. I got to talk to him about some other stuff anyway. So I will ask them that. And man, it'd be good. I mean, yeah, they they can have fans. They don't have a limit on their fan count. They can have fans, but man, I, I'm kind of hoping that they have it on on some some format, whatever it is, because I'd like to be able to see that they got great racing at the Cedar Lake Speedway. I'm so excited to see that. So, well, when when is the show at Unity? Is that Friday night or Saturday? Friday, Friday night. 
Oh, okay. So it's Friday. Okay. So the guys will be able to, to hit both. Okay. Boy, I got a little worried there once because when you called it whatever SK Speedway, I thought that was something all out east, and all of a sudden it's like the old Monster Hall. Uh, <laughs> that, it's been, it was Monster Hall, right? Then it was Central Wisconsin Raceway, and then it was Spring Lake Speedway, Spring. and then they sold it, and then now it's the SK Speedway. So it changes names every time. SK is, I believe, Steve Caston is the owner. Spring Lake is there's a lake right behind the grandstands. It's called Spring Lake. Scott Duvall owned it, named it Spring Lake Speedway. Prior to that, it was Central Wisconsin Raceway. And then I believe there's a campground there called Monster Hall Campground. So the, the original owner, it was the campground and the racetrack. So I've, I've raced a lot of laps at that place, and, and I've seen some really good racing there. You know, hopefully they have a good turnout. That, you know, that's a good series, and it's close enough to the Eau Claire area. It's only an hour and a half maybe from Eau Claire, New Richmond, and all that, where I'm, I'm guessing that that a bunch of them guys will make the trip over there. Um, so I, I anticipate a pretty good park on Paradise Day. Okay, yeah, yeah. Is that Cedar Lake to Unity, hour, hour and a half? I mean, it can't be too far, right? I mean, so. Hour and a half, maybe, yeah. It was like, oh my gosh, well, you know, they're going to have to pick and choose. So, all right, and we will finish up here. We've got, uh, like I said, the Lucas Oil Dirt Labels are on the track right now. I'm kind of peeking in here. We reported last week you could watch it live on their Facebook page. Go ahead, Bert. I was just going to say that, I mean, this show hasn't even been published yet, and uh, Davenport must have got the news already that we we're ripping on him because he's leading the feature right now. Oh, I see that, yeah. <laughs> all, right, all right, guys, I love you both, but we got to quit Jabber John so we can jump on and watch this feature. So uh, I, I don't have anything else. I'm excited to see uh, the main event. So, Puka, I'll turn it back to you. All right, yeah, yeah. Like I said, everyone, uh, flip over to uh, uh, or go to Mav TV or flip over to Lucas Oil's Facebook page. You can catch catch the race or uh, on a restart right now. So with that, uh, great job tonight, guys. Uh, uh, race fans, uh, you know, catch us here every week. We'll be back. Get out there and be your dream. You're tuned to the One to Go show.